Hey there, you're listening to Past to Present, a social studies podcast by educators for you. We'll take a look at the middle school social studies standards taught in the state of Texas. Together, let's clarify some key concepts in history and think of ways to help students relate history to their everyday life. All right, so here we are. We're going to talk about the Industrial Revolution today. Right, so we had to skip kind of Jefferson and Adams, and I know that that uh, is kind of anticlimactic after we did our last episode. <laughs> and uh, thanks to y'all that voted. But um, we yeah, just, we had a Twitter poll. Jefferson lost. He it did was lose. A sad didn't he? day. It was shocking, right? Big shocker to me. Was it? I mean, I it was a great debate, though. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. It was good, uh, but we just felt like we were behind, and so this kind of gives people something to. Before they've taught Industrial Revolution, we hope. Yeah, we'll hope to reach you before, again, like we said, before you've gone into this unit. Big surprise that it's the beginning of the star season here in Texas, and um, we're behind on our podcast. Who would have guessed? It's it's busy right now, <laughs> it's right? It's super busy. Um, so we're starting with the Industrial Revolution today, and uh, we thought a really good place to start would be with the causes. Right, so that all goes back to the War of 1812, which we haven't covered yet, but um, it, it, that's the main effect, right? That's yeah. what we want to talk about the most with the War of 1812. Well, and a little bit of the Embargo Act right. as well, which we kind of touched on in our last episode. But um, the War of 1812 comes to a close, and our main trading partner, Britain, we were no longer really trading with them, especially during the War of 1812. Right, and so that allows the Americans to kind of start looking into they have they don't have any competition right and so that's why the factories really start popping up um slowly but surely and we steal some ideas from the british and things like that definitely uh, samuel slater and his uh his thieving of british technology mm-hmm. um so how do you go about introducing this unit because i've thought about this a number of ways i've talked with some teachers and they've talked about using the industrial revolution kind of not as a unit but kind of putting it in multiple units mm-hmm kind of introducing those things um, chronologically. Right. So you would do the factory system after the War of 1812 and maybe even um, the cotton gin before Manifest Destiny. What are you thinking? I do it as one unit because in KDISD, that's what we do and I follow the unit plans. Right. Um, but I do, I, I find that I think that that's easier, even though I know chronologically it makes sense to like interject it that way. I think for my students and the level that they're at, it makes it's easier for them to understand the big picture ideas if we chunk it into concepts. Right. So with the Industrial Revolution, I kind of like just take a, a moment. We freeze in time, and they probably think everything happens overnight, which is a problem. But, um, you know, we just kind of start with what are the inventions, and then we go into how those impact America. And when we go into the westward expansion and into Jackson and into sectionalism, we talk about, okay, think back to the Industrial Revolution. How does what we learned there play into this? Right, and so this is another one that's geographically motivated, right? right. I mean, you've got the factories you know, growing in the north because of a lack of uh, – the ability to farm, even okay. though most northerners still farmed, it was it was more apt to build factories there. Right. And the southerners are not building as many factories. They're focusing primarily on cotton and slavery, right? Yes. Um, 
<clears throat> so do you just start with the factory system and, and uh, the Lowell Mills or? Well, we start with free enterprise. Right. And we do a flipped lesson on that. And we just kind of give the kids the information ahead of time. And they come up, come up with the big ideas of free enterprise, which is limited government interference, competition, uh, private ownership of business, and um, the fact that supply and demand run the market. It's very basic level. It's not anything intense. Right. Um, so we kind of start with that. And then we go into the inventions and we talk about what inventions they um, need to know or what inventions were created. And what's really interesting is as I've gone to like professional developments and worked with teachers from other campuses, like every school teaches different inventions. Well, it's because in the teak it uses that such as. Yeah. So it gives you the three. It gives you the steamboat. It gives you the cotton gin. And it gives you Those are the inter- only interchangeable three. parts. Those are the only three. I believe so, yeah. Wow. And so then, but it's such as, so then that leads to other things. Other things. And they do test on other things. Right. I mean, they do ask you those questions. But we teach everything from, I've taught the spinning Jenny before. Right. Um, because I feel like that's important for them to understand that now we have a new technology, which is going to make textile mills more valuable to our, our country. So we teach this, we have taught the spinning Jenny, the cotton gin, obviously. Um, what else? Interchangeable parts. Interchangeable parts. Which they can all relate to. And that is like in the lead forward guides, they say that that's a big misconception kids have. I n- my kids never struggle. Might have that always concept. gotten that easily. They get it. That picture is like prime time. Right. And it's so easy for them to understand. Well, I'll tell you, one of our sixth grade lessons this year was making toy soldiers. Yeah, I and saw that on Twitter. One of them was the first day they did it kind of as they just saw a picture of a soldier mm-hmm. and they had to freehand it and draw it and they had to share it and it took forever and they were terrible. And then the next day we gave them templates and they did, they made these soldiers and they looked all uniform. Mm. They could, they saw that they were doing, they fit easier, everything mm-hmm. worked out. And it was a great demonstration, the move from cottage industry to the um, industrial revolution and the factory system that was for sixth graders you could easily do that lesson in in eighth grade if you wanted to spend the time on that yeah I mean I think it's just such an easy concept but I love the fact that your sixth grade team's doing it because now when the kids get to eighth grade they've got that background knowledge and that experience that's super easy to draw from so that's really cool and that's something to think about the kids love the industrial revolution they really enjoy it they, they get it it's, it's it's I don't know why the only struggle I have with kids is that they don't really visualize what it actually looked like I feel like they my students really struggle with that like today we were doing a war of 1812 activity and there was a picture of a factory mm-hmm. and I can't even tell you how many kids le- said what is this well our kids there's no factories I around know. us and I'm like oh yeah you don't know what a factory looks nope. like and they have no concept of what a factory system is so I think that giving them that experience is a really cool activity for kids to relate to right they just they they just don't have any fact there's no factories there's no in experience Katie. yeah like how can you expect them to mm-hmm. learn something new if they don't have anything to attach the new learning to right so that's something to definitely consider what we do is we start with the end in mind so we start with urbanization okay go big or go home right so we start at the beginning and we do an urbanization um simulation i guess you would say Grant Smith used to teach at Seven Lakes Junior High, and he shared this with me one year. And it's just a PowerPoint. It's not anything fancy. The kids get a sheet of paper, computer paper, and you tell them to draw a river. Okay, now draw a town. 
write write the name of your town, create the name. And as you go throughout the class period, you start adding factories, you start adding churches, you start adding schools, and you get faster and faster. And the kids have no room left on their paper and they and it gets really they get really frustrated with it. And they see what urbanization looks like. That's a really good idea. I have a feeling that you had something to do with that. No, that now. wasn't me. No? No, that was all Grant. It's it's super great. I don't know if it was Grant, but it could have been Grant, but um, it's great. It's a, huh. it's a really fun lesson. And so we talk about, and at the top of their paper, when we're done, I have them label it as urbanization. And then I pose the question, how did we get here? How did we get to where we went from rural areas in America to this crazy, large urban nation? And that's the that's the question that guides them through the rest of the learning. So okay. they have that engage activity to kind of see what it's gonna look like at the end, what we start with and what we end with. And now I just have to fill in the gaps for the kids. Okay, so how do you fill in the gaps with all those inventions that you talked about earlier? Well, we do like, um, we do like flashcards. They make their own, I know that's really like low level, but they make their own flashcards and um, they just attach like what it is, the significance, and we do a lot of card sorts to help them like cement their learning. So like three-way card sort? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. where you have the name of the invention, maybe a description, and then a picture? picture. Yeah. Oh, okay. Or it's impact. You could do that as well. I like to do like where it has the picture with the name of the invention on there so that it's the name of the invention with the picture on one card, the description, and then the impact that it okay. had. Um, well, this is a good unit to, to use uh, before and after as well, right? Oh yeah, we do that. So you have on your, your on your you have three columns on your paper, and the middle column is your industrial revolution, or you could even use one of the inventions. Yeah. And the left side is kind of the before, what was life like before, or what was kind of the cause, mm-hmm. and then the right side is the um, afterwards or the effect. Yeah. Well, we we do a lesson exactly like that at the very end, and it's how they show their learning and kind of elaborate. Okay. But each group, we do seven groups, and each group gets a different major invention, and they put a picture of the invention on, like I print them a picture. They put it on a large poster paper. On the left side, they have to draw life before, because what we want them to understand is how it impacted life. Right. And so they have to draw life before, and then on the other side, they have to draw life after, and then they go around the room and kind of do like a gallery walk and observe each other's work. Because we want them to see how the it, goods were produced differently. Yes. And how they were transported differently. And how life changes. I mean, as an American, think if before you have, you're a stay-at-home mom, basically, is your only option, and you have to make all of the clothes based on the, you know, from the sheep, the wool that you get off the sheep out back, and now you are a working mom who can purchase clothes, you know? So it's just to show them the difference in how life changes. Because that's really what's important. Right. I mean, it doesn't matter what the heck the spinning Jenny was if the kids don't understand how it changes our life and how technology changes our life. Right? So that's our major focus, right? Right. Yeah. Because it's the same for, that's what we want them to be cognizant of. I can't even tell you how many teachers I hear talk about cell phones, cell phones. Well, kids need to understand what is the invention and how does it impact their life? What was life like before and what is life like now? And so we want to get that through to them. So do we or, do you organize the uh, in, innovations and inventions by agricultural products, transportation mm-hmm. products, things of that nature? Yeah, I think that's the best way to do it. So once they've learned them all, then we kind of give them the three categories with the definitions and they have to decide what category that invention falls under and why. 
Okay. And what what were what were the categories you said? Agriculture, transportation, transportation, uh, manufacturing, transportation and communication yeah. is one, and then um, production. I call it mass production is my other category. Okay. Of things that are going to help us mass produce goods. So that's like the cotton gin. But the cotton gin can go under too. So see, it's going to spur debate with kids. And it also will help them make the connection between how inventions in agriculture are going to impact inventions in the North. And ma- manufacturing. Right. And, and it all is intertwined. Um, that's one thing I love to kind of make kids think about is the fact that the North is so heavy, heavily abolitionist, but they're part of, they have a hand in slavery. Right. Because... They're making profits off the fact that cotton is so cheap to, for the South to produce. Right, and I think if you, and I kind of see that also is England as well, because yeah. England's buying all this cotton from the South. The whole world is. The whole world is. And so the nice thing about that, if you bring up England and the, their Industrial Revolution as well, talk about that because that leads to the Civil War, and that leads to what is England going to do during the Civil War, mm. especially Ooh, for your pre yeah. peak classes. Because they're going to help the South. Well, they, they could help the South. Um, they're just not certain what they're going to do. And one of Lincoln's challenges is keeping Great Britain out of the war because right. of Canada. Right. And so um, I, this unit leads to so many other. This is kind of the second part of our colonial unit where we talked about, you know, the northern, re, the New England colonies, yeah. the middle colonies, and the southern colonies. And if you don't drive that home, it's hard for them to get the rest of it. Right. Instead of just having those you know, New England, Middle and South, we now have South, North and West. Mm-hmm. And getting those kids to see we've transitioned, it's the same conflict, it's just done a little differently. And that's something I don't do very well is introducing the West, uh-huh. which I think is a big mistake because I think it's really cool for the kids to see the difference in what is life like in the West. And it's so different Correct. than it is in the South and in the North. And when we're talking about the West, we're probably going to focus on the, the steamboat, the canal systems, um, the railroads, and for my classes, it would have been like the mechanical reaper and the, the steel plow, just to understand why they can go west, why they want to farm, because it's gotten a little bit easier with that and the movement of goods and things mm-hmm, like that, mm-hmm. which is, again, one of those big teaks of the... Well, and that's kind of what we just talked about with the Louisiana Purchase, because I feel like we always talk about how important it is that it doubled the size. And that's great. Right. But also it gives us access to the Mississippi River. And I told my kids how important that river is, because you're not going to move west during the industrial era if there's not a way for people to start getting some goods out there. Mm -hmm. And so at first, the Mississippi River is a huge role, plays a huge role in that westward expansion and the entire river system. And then as we move on, it's going to become more of us building those railroads and really fully expanding. Correct. So we've kind of bounced all over the place on well, this but one, that's, right? that, that's this unit. I feel right. like that's just kind of, it lends itself to that. But what are some connections that we really want to begin to help students make? I mean, we kind of talked about that a little bit, but. Well, we talked about urbanization. For me, the one that I get the most excited about teaching with my kids is immigration mm-hmm. and the political effects of urbanization and immigration. So because the factories are going to be built in the north, most of your immigrants are going to move to um, the northern states. And because you have so many of those people moving there, I ask kids, what are the political effects of this? And this is where I'm hoping that they start to think about states and state populations and can make that three-fifths compromise jump the house of representatives and so from there i'm asking 
Well, so if you're the South and you see the House of Representatives, is you're never going to catch them. Wait, wait, time out. I'm sorry. I know. Slow down. Okay. Am I getting too excited? No, no, no. You're not getting too excited, but I'm just I'm trying to think through what you just said. So you want the kids to make the connection to the three-fifths compromise. What do you mean by that? Well, I guess not so much the three-fifths, but the House of Representatives and the um, growing so big because that's going to skew things away from what it had been. Right. So it, it is the three-fifths compromise. Sort because of. Because up until this point, up until immigration begins, the three-fifths compromise favors the South. They have an unfair advantage. Exactly. And that's we just talked about that in class today, why the first five presidents, four of them are from the South. Four of them are from right, Virginia, Virginia, essentially, because the South has a larger population, quote unquote. And I think that continues all the way on to like the first 12 presidents. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it skewed heavily to the South and slave states. And so now what you're saying is once immigration begins and people start really migrating and urbanization takes hold in the North, the numbers are going to start to lean towards the North and the three-fifths compromise is going to become less important during, temporarily. Yes, so that's, that's where you get that House of Representatives issue. So from there, I'm hoping then I'll go, all right, so let's think of yourself as a southern state. Okay. You know you can't catch them in the House of Representatives. So what's your only other choice in the legislative branch? And they go, Senate. Okay, so what is the only way to add senators mm-hmm. to the United States? And this is where they struggle, but eventually I want them to recognize the only way to add senators is to add states. Right. Where is that? Where do we go? Manifest destiny. We go west. That's genius. So it was a southern, like the southerners had to go west. Did you read that connection or did you make that like genius connection? No, I, I've read I've read from people and talked to people about it and it just made it, it, it connects everything. It yeah, makes everything it so much sense for the kids and they go, oh, well, because they just kind of believe manifest destiny just happened because a guy wrote down, it's our manifest destiny. And right. Really, it's... I mean, that's part of it, but it's, it's very politically motivated. Absolutely. And it also helps kids because I feel like we're just... When we start the Civil War, the road to Civil War, we just say, oh, they're fighting in Congress. Mm-hmm. And the kids are like, okay, why? I mean, they know because they see fighting in Congress today, let's be honest. Right. But now that we've already set that foundation, they can really understand why the South is all of a sudden, because I've had kids ask me that, like, why are they just now mad about this? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because it's just now becoming a really serious issue. Well, and you, you're looking to add those Southern states, I'm sorry, those slave states out West, which is going to lead to Kansas and Nebraska, right. Act, mm-hmm. all those kinds of things. And so what's even better is then when you get to Lincoln and his election, no slave states vote for Lincoln and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Why does it matter, guys? Because, and they start to thinking mm-hmm. about it. Well, because of urbanization and because all these immigrants came over and boom. I mean, we, we have connected multiple units so that kids now see these things happen. Um, cause and effect is just it doesn't just go from one to the other. It, it's right. long term right. cause and effect. Right. It's so fun. The other reason I love immigration, talking about immigration yeah. is because it's so interesting for the kids to look at the social aspects that immigration creates in our country, the social problems that immigration creates. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that they can very much still relate to today. I can't get them to stop talking about current immigration discussions in my class. It's like, no, today we're going to talk about the War of 1812, not immigration. <laughs> um, but that's a great problem to have. It is. Because it's relevant to them. It's everywhere, everywhere right now. It's everywhere throughout all of American history. This isn't news, and that's what I tell them. Mm -hmm. It is news because it still matters. I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but this is an issue that we have always 
struggled with always since that since, since Washington all the way through I mean, since the the ink dried on the Constitution since before the ink dried on the Constitution and they saw that with the Alien Act they they're gonna see that again with the Industrial Revolution with manifest destiny no nothings and when they go to high school they're gonna see it again with the wars mm -hmm. you know with World War two and the internment camps yep. and so it's just something that they're gonna always see and that's and I tell kids I'm like that's why immigrant groups join together in clusters and form things like Chinatown or Germantown where you've got these huge pockets of really cool cultural experiences it's because of social norms in America and so it's just something for them to really think about right because it just keeps repeating it is actually one of the few things that actually keeps repeating it is continuous right. and it almost makes you wonder everybody says we don't want history to repeat itself but it's it almost makes you wonder if it's history or if it's human nature and i'm not i'm not suggesting one or the other but it's just a fun question to toss out there to kids not i'm not going to discuss it in class but again just to think about right some things are just human nature and we are doing our best to fight that or are they not you know well, and I think that's something you can have the kids look at as a present-day article or something that is, you know, you've got to be careful where you go with that. But something to have them compare what is going on today to what yeah. happened. And, you know, we've talked to people who teach thematically, and that's their one of their whole units is yeah. teaching movement. Yeah. And that's an incredible idea. Yeah. Um, so some other connections. We're going to start to see science really pop up. Education is going to become more important. Um, with urbanization comes a large amount of pollution, and people are going to start to become very sick. Germs are going to spread quickly, so science is really going to take root there. And into the 1900s, we're going to see, you know, the discovery of germs over time and realizing that we have to wash our hands and creating a sewer system. That's obviously long run, but it's something that a lot of your science students will really grasp and um, enjoy. What else? Um, let me see. We've got so intro, mass production. We get into that a little bit, but I think the big one is um, just the effects of urbanization, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, it's huge. And we talk, too. One of my favorite things to talk about is the fact that people move easily now on trains. So people from the north will just go down and visit their cousin in the south who they never used to visit. They see what slave what slavery right. looks like, what evils are actually going on with slavery firsthand. They witness it. It's not that they didn't necessarily know beforehand, but now they're confronted with it when they go and visit the South, these Northerners. And they're going to take back with them that experience. And that's what inspires Harriet Beecher Stowe to write her book, Uncle Tom's Cabin, which is going to ignite the flame for the Civil War. Right. The, the movement is the big deal. And, yeah. and again, that goes back to that. It goes back to westward expansion. Um, the California um, gold rush. Mm -hmm. It's just, I mean, there's so much to this that the one thing that I think you could also do is inter intertwine reform in here a little bit. Yes. Because reform, a lot of our reforms are direct results of some of these things that happen. You know, women decide they, they may want the right to vote because now they have a little bit of economic freedom mm -hmm. and they recognize that they have no political freedom. Um, you've got the same thing with uh, workers' rights, which isn't a huge movement we talk much about. The labor movement. But the temperance movement is directly out of mm -hmm. urbanization mm -hmm. and, and manufacturing. Yeah. So well, it didn't use. It wasn't as much of a big deal back in the day if your husband was drunk on the farm. But when he's drunk riding his horse around town, it's a little bit different, right? Or working in machines yeah. and being mangled by machines True. and things of that nature. And so, you, you have the ability to 
some of these, the thing that I don't like about the Industrial Revolution and the Reform Movement is they're not taught chronologically. So our kids just kind of think they happen in these spots. And so if you have the chance to tie it into those, those bigger events, it, it just kind of gives them a little bit of a, a, a line, a little yeah. bit of a linear view of it. And I don't know how important that is, um, but for some kids, it helps them just see the history a little differently. Yeah. Well, I think it helps them understand how it relates to each other, that it's not done in isolation. Right. And that's very important. Well, and these are the two units that we teach in isolation. Right. Everything, that's true. Everything, everything else, else is... is... Well, and, and government. Like, we kind of pause to teach the Constitution, right? Yeah. I just see that one as... For some reason, I don't count that, and I don't know why. You should. <laughs> Maybe because it's easier to teach. I don't know. Um, I mean, I guess technically it is chronological, but it, it's like Jackson, too, is just like sitting there in the middle of all of this. And it's just awkward to stop and just teach Jackson's presidency when really everything just relates to it, each other. But I don't know why we do it that way. I, I guess, again, it just goes back to getting those big themes for kids. Right. And Absolutely. We do this. We do this unit all 5E. It's 100 percent 5E for us. And we've talked about 5E on here. The the way that that engages kids and moves yeah. them through it. And there's a really great, I don't know if um, the, those of you out there, there's a really great Nystrom activity. And I bought a whole bunch of stuff for my with campus money. But for my campus, that's Nystrom. They're writable maps. And they have a lesson over the Erie Canal. It is phenomenal. The kids draw the original route from New York down the, the down Straits of Florida, down the Straits of Florida. Up around the Mississippi, out, up the oh. Mississippi, over to the Ohio River to show how long it took goods to get to the new people settling in Ohio and stuff like that. And then we, they come in and they cut the Erie Canal. And the kids are like, oh, my gosh, this cuts the distance by like this is a tenth of the distance, maybe more. And so that lesson is really cool to show them that. But then we talk, too, about how modifying the environment can really harm or be a negative thing. Well, and the good one is the the video, um, the story of us. Yes, that video is so good. It shows the Erie Canal so well. It's so good. And they like the idea of drunk Irishmen yes, they think and it's blowing hilarious. themselves up. I'm like, it's not funny. This is a very dangerous <laughs> job. But, yeah, they really enjoy that video too. And it, it, it's got good visuals, and the, mm -hmm. the kids really do um, connect with that one. Um, again, this is a unit that – it's easier for easy for them to get the, la the the top layer of stuff. It's mm -hmm. when you move them into that second layer of looking at the effects and the long term effects and the long term causes. Um, something I talked with the other day, um, Meg Evans, who is the Cinco Ranch High School um, instructional coach, she was talking about using a, a strategy called "but because and so." And ELA teachers, I think, are used to this one. I've never heard of it. I, I had never heard of it either, and it's a super easy, simple way to do writing. Mm -hmm. And so let's say you have a statement. You want to go talk about an effect. Let's say, um, I don't know, the Industrial Revolution began in the United States um, and made it easier for to produce goods. Mass production. Mass production. Okay. And then you just throw a butt on that. And then the kids finish that statement out. Okay. Then you repeat that again. The Industrial Revolution, yada, yada, mass production. Because. because. And then you do the same thing all over again and you do so. And so the kids are writing from... Not necessarily different perspectives, but looking at the, the Industrial Revolution differently. Yeah. And I think it, it doesn't take long to create that. The kids write really quickly, and you kind of see if they understand multiple layers yeah. of the content. Yeah. And I gave a terrible example of it. Um, no, no. I think it's really great. The only <coughs> thing I would do is do 
I know this is ridiculous, but I would have them do because first, because I I feel like that's the one that's the easiest, and then so, and then but. Absolutely, I, I, the reason that I did it that way is because that's how I remembered it. But yeah. because and so, but you can do because, them either so, way. Yeah, or so <laughs> you know whatever you want to do, it's just that's the way. Um, that's really cool. And if you if you Google that, you'll see plenty of examples of it out there. And, but an easy, easy writing thing, which is always good for teachers Definitely. trying to come up with something. Well, this one was fun. Not as much debate this time, which is great. We're I, actually getting along. I don't know what happens when we get along. I don't so. know. It's weird. It's like <laughs> don't worry. We'll argue over the next one. Um, I think our next episode is going to be... Is it Jackson? Jackson. Ugh. I don't know. Can we just skip Jackson? We may just skip Jackson, guys. <laughs> we may go straight to the causes of the Civil War, Manifest oh, Destiny or man. something. I like reform. You know I could talk reform all day. Well, then let's do reform next. Okay. Well, we'll see, but just... Give us a shout out on Twitter on what unit you want to hear us talk about next. And please uh, share uh, the link to the show with anybody and leave us a review on iTunes, please, so that we can get more people out there seeing it. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Hey there, thanks for listening to our podcast. Join in the discussion on Twitter using the hashtag pod, or tweet us at at pod. That's past the number two present P-O-D. If you have a minute, please consider helping other educators find our show by sharing our podcast on Twitter or giving us a review on iTunes or Podbean. Special thanks to all those who helped develop the content for today's episode. Audio mixing for this episode done by Lindsay Stevens and music credit to bensound.com. All thoughts and ideas expressed in today's episode are that of the hosts and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs of KDISD.